Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of directed video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched The Ox. In The Ox, Helga, played by Stellan Skarsgård, is struggling to provide for his family. He lives in a small town with his wife and new baby, where work and food are both sparse. In an act of desperation, he decides to kill one of his boss's two oxen and hide the crime in order to stay alive. Screenplay by Sven Nykvist and Lars Sumanen, directed by Sven Nykvist and premiered in Sweden on November 22, 1991. Have you heard of this movie before? No. No, me either. Uh, the reason it's on our list is, well, it was released in 1991, but the reason we're covering it now is because it's another Oscar-nominated movie for Best Foreign Language Film. So, spoiler, this that's the only award, really, that it was nominated for, I think, aside from, like, one, one local Swedish award. It wasn't even that dominant in the Swedish uh, film award season that year uh, but it was their pick for best foreign language film for the Oscar celebration I'm wondering why my my thought is just because of the prestige of who directed it yeah so Sven uh, Nykvist he he didn't direct a whole lot he didn't write a whole lot um, but he was the cinematographer for a lot of movies and he won two oscars for cinematography for both cries and whispers and fanny and alexander yeah he was longtime cinematographer for ingmar bergman and you know again two-time oscar winner he was also nominated for the unbearable lightness of being for an oscar so i think it's it's mostly related to that Okay. You know, he this long-standing, you know, appreciation. Um, you know, he had the pedigree, he had the the wins under his belt, and so Sweden probably thought, well, this is our best chance because of the name recognition. Yeah, it's just this movie seemed like a Swedish TV movie. Yes. And I was trying to find out was it <laughs> like was this released in the theaters or was like i'm assuming yeah but i believe so did it even come to the u.s yeah it, oh it did it because, did because it was nominated i don't know um there's very little information on imdb about it but they do have an opening weekend listed as august 23rd 1992 oh okay which would be well after the oscar season happened um, and it made like a grand total of fourteen and a half thousand dollars in the U.S. and Canada, so you know, very very limited. Probably like one weekend in a couple cities, you know, yeah, or like two New weekends York, in a LA. city. 
Chicago or whatever. And, and that's it. So I, you know, I'm not sure why it came so late in 1992, but it, it did. Um, okay, it was. In the 1992, 1992 Cannes Film Festival. Oh, so got a little bit more heat around it from that, and then probably came to the U.S. Yeah. and the cities because it was screened in the certain regard, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I'm probably saying that I'm saying that like crappily. Oh, that's <laughs> that goes with all of the pronunciations I've given. I, so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, from what I was reading, I, I'm not. I'm not well versed on Bergman, so I don't really yeah. know a whole lot about his movies. I've seen Seventh Seal and probably like one other, and that's about it so far in my life. What I know of Sven Nykvist is, again, I'm probably butchering that name, um, is that he purposely is creating these muted palettes, these sort of flat images. Like, you know, he's not going for high contrast of light and dark he's not going for this massive colorful world and that's on purpose he's trying to keep it more drab and subdued um which has become kind of the expectation in a lot of european cinema especially in this region you have like the snowy landscapes in this and, and you know anytime you have that you're looking for those stark whites and you're looking for you know the brown brown trees and that's about what you get <laughs> you know right um usually the greens are a little bit more muted rather than popping um or you heavily lean into the green and and keep that tone for the entire picture um but it's very very one note color wise so that that's intentional but it does make it kind of look like a tv movie like you were saying, and I think also part of it is, I'm pretty sure Tubi, whereas, which is where we watched it, they most likely just had a VHS rip that they oh, okay. uploaded and, and put on there it, because the quality seemed pretty low just from the start. Yeah, it just, it seemed as if, I think maybe because we were, what because of the Tubi, it was cut in off at certain points for the commercials you know yeah and it was making me think it was a tv i mean it gave me tv movie vibes because of how like gritty it kind of looked yeah it's gonna be more grainy if it comes from a low quality transfer to begin with okay um, so if this was like shown in a movie theater it's not gonna be so grainy uh well maybe yeah, <laughs> or, not, not as bad but it might be similar. or did he intentionally want to do that because of the subject matter well i think part of it is you know i didn't look but i would not be surprised if this was shot on 16 millimeter rather than 35 which would make it more grainy because it's you know a lower resolution image overall the other aspect of it i think that is working on your subconscious is that the soundtrack is almost all post-production oh. and so that kind of has a, a subconscious thing of you know uh, i don't know lesser quality it's a very more independent things so like when you're outside or you know when the characters are outside all of the language all of the dialogue almost is dubbed over even sometimes in the indoor scenes it's all just dubbed again because they're likely shooting it without any sort of synchronous sound 
at the time to keep the budget down and then they just go into a booth and record over it so there's there's some of that that's happening here too um, especially it was really noticeable to me in the scene where he's killing the ox at the very beginning yeah where, well, you know it's they basically like removed all sound like there's no soundtrack either there's like virtually no score for a lot of it there is some score but not in these scenes and they take away everything except for a breathing noise, which you can clearly hear as someone like breathing into a microphone mm-hmm. after the fact. Um, but like all of the walking in the snow, all of those other different sound effects, or even you know reactions from other people that you'd hit, normally hear, that's absent, and probably on purpose. But you know it does. You know it's lower quality. It's it's definitely like a very very low budget production very independent so that that leads the tv movie side of things too where it's like summer my father grew up yeah where you know that's what it was like running gun filmmaking but this has hopefully a little more planning in the the long term but the actual equipment that they had may not have been um conducive to what they were trying to do i don't know all that to really say is that this did not really resonate with me a whole lot and it sounds like probably not so much with you either no it was i know it's based off of a book based on a story oxen by siv settering she is a swedish american poet writer and artist but then i also looked up that this was based off of a semi-true story so, and then I was looking up um, Sweden during this time, because this is 1868 Sweet. This was during the famine, famine in Sweden from 1867 to 1869. It was the last major naturally caused famine in Europe. And that's what caused all the great rush of the Swedish to emigrate to the United States during that time. Yeah, there's a... A few different asides or diff, you know random pieces of dialogue in there where they're talking about people moving to America because of yeah. the famine. Yeah, and, and I'm wondering why like maybe this movie was meant for some historical fiction, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't have. Um, let, let's take another recent example, sort of recent example with like Parallel Mothers. Okay. You know where. That movie was made to sort of tell the story of this historical event through... Yeah, that happened in Spain, but yeah, it was through, like... through the lens of these people and, Yeah, and their know, family and whatever. I think, you know, so I could see where you're coming from. I don't think this has the same type of story, impact in yeah. that way. It oh, yeah. You know. Well, because that's... Yeah, what happened in Parallel Mothers is like a small thing to us, but it was huge to them. Yeah. But... That's what, it's a small thing to us, but it's huge to the people who were in Sweden at that time where it's caused this like great Swedish migration and most of them did come to like the Midwest. Of I mean, I thought that was interesting because that just makes me think about even here with like there is a great Swedish population where we are too. So, yeah, and it's because of this. I think what kind of holds the movie back, though, is that it is 
very much a one person story and you yeah. have these other things and that stuff happening in the background but it's really ancillary whereas in parallel mothers yes it's in the background for the most part but it becomes a central focus when it needs to and like most of i think what this movie really is doing more so than talking about the immigration side of things i think it's really trying to talk about religion and justice yeah this was this made me when i was in high school like junior senior year i took an well we had to we had to take an ethics and morality class and we would watch certain movies and then discuss them like what would you do in this situation this would be a movie we would watch yeah this is like the perfect movie to show in an ethics and morality class absolutely in a religious i don't know for high school or even college i wonder if it is being shown i don't know probably not here <laughs> but it's, maybe yeah. in sweden <laughs> yeah but it would be like what we would have, in that class, I liked a lot because it just, like, the critical thinking of, like, yeah, what would you do in this situation? Would you do what he did? Yeah, and there's several different and breaking why? points. There's several <laughs> different branching uh, lessons that, that could be held from this. Yeah, obviously the first one is, would you do what he did in, in killing the one ox? It's, I mean, they're starving, obviously. This is right in the middle of this famine. There's, like, there's, Sweden is suffering from poor harvests. It's, like. It's bitter cold. You it's, have like, a, Game a of Thrones baby. winter is coming. It's winter for three years for something. And, and you know there's no work. Like, the only boss that you could possibly have is basically saying, yeah, maybe in a couple months we'll give you some sort of a work. Right. Um, yeah, it's just, like, very depressing. I mean, yeah, there's nothing that can be done. And every, but everyone in that town is yeah, it's hungry. Yeah, exact same situation and he doesn't share with the other town people because he'll be found out and right what happens to him later would happen to him um and it's also his boss his boss's ox that he uses the boss uses these ox to carry goods i don't even know what like to and from the city because right, they yeah, live somewhere rural Used so, for their commerce. It's used for the job that he's working. Yeah, yeah, so when the boss finds out that one of his ox is missing, he's like, God damn it, we can't like carry all of this whatever wood, whatever the fuck we got today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can see on like Helga's face, like, fuck. Like, the entire time, she's... <laughs> I mean, it's just... um. Yeah, like, would you... I don't know. It's just... But other people are just like, why couldn't you get a rabbit or a squirrel or something? I can understand that you're literally dying of hunger and you have this screaming baby, like, that's probably screaming nonstop because the baby is also hungry. And it's, like, driven you to madness where he just... Like, something just turned off in his brain. He's like, I see this animal in front of my face. I'm going to kill it because I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. The, the other part that mm-hmm. kind of comes in a little bit later is that they are, it, it's near Christmas. Yeah. And they go to 
his boss's house, the Sven, Svenning Gustafsson and his wife, uh, Maria, uh, they go to their house and they have dinner with them. And so there is this little bit of a class argument yeah. as well here where like they clearly have and they're housing the have-nots for this one night, but they're not giving them enough to, you know, sustain Live, themselves yeah. otherwise. So there's there's that aspect of the whole situation too. So um, that you kind of learn about other, you know, after the fact, it's yeah, it's really tough to say what what the answer is and what what it isn't. And we also have this vicar character played by Max von Sydow, who comes in and talks about some of the religious and moral implications as well on each of the person's sides trying to advocate for both of them in a sense and you know because yeah you're you're by killing this ox you're taking away this opportunity you know it's it's sort of short-sighted and plus yeah the whole village is suffering how come you are the one who's doing this and you know wouldn't wouldn't society just collapse if everyone just did what you just did yeah you know and on the other side it's like trying to talk to his boss and say can't you forgive him somewhat can't you you know yes there should be punishment but it shouldn't but not be this severe. extreme because what ends up happening is he does eventually get caught and he's sentenced to life in prison by this strict judge yeah and uh, he, the judge was naming off all according to rule section number five verse whatever yeah like if you steal blah 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 you get life imprisonment yeah and um yeah, and then they and even then, they. Svenning's like, yeah, that's what he deserves. He deserves life he, in prison for doing this to yeah, me. It's and like he's this like, personal that's affront what, to me. Yeah, that's what the judge said that, and I agree with the judge. And when he gets that life sentence, Helg and uh, the vicar, they look at each other like, what the fuck? Like, they what? give a like, what the fuck look to each other. Yeah, it's like no, no one would have ever expected that. And his first night in the prison system, his cellmate is, you know, asking what he did. And he's like, oh, well, you'll probably be out by Christmas then. Um, or by the end of the month or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and he's like, no, I got life. He's like, ha ha. They're like, yeah. And the other guy is telling all the other inmates, this, this motherfucker <laughs> stole an ox and he's got life. And everyone's laughing, whatever. And the guy, that guy is just like, well, just mind your own business, while you're here like keep to yourself and you'll be fine but i mean that doesn't happen no it doesn't yeah there, there's a lot of moral quandaries in here i think you're yeah right. I, I mean I, yeah this class. is like exactly that's why i'm like i don't know if i was a teacher for <laughs> ethics or but i would 100 percent show this movie and discuss it yeah, because it, it's, it's not just Helga either, but I mean, just to talk about what Helga has to deal with for a little bit yeah. as well. as like, when he's in the prison, he's, it's a hard labor camp, right? So it's not just prison, but for life, but it's also like a hard labor camp. And so at some point, he also is involved in something where he has contraband that the guards find, and he says, oh yeah, that's not mine, it's that guy's. And so he now becomes a snitch. Yeah, and everyone's like, don't, they don't want to deal, they don't want to mess with him now. They don't want to be near him. So they're like beating him up. They're like, you fucking snitch. And they're beating him up for 
telling on someone, which, I mean, what the guy said in the first place, like, mind your own business, he should have said, oh, it's mine, instead of trying to be right, quote-unquote. I don't know. I mean, I guess, but at the same time, you know, why would you take the fall for someone else who's also a prisoner? What has he done Well, then you? he would be seen... I mean, the other prisoners would see that and be like, oh, okay, he's an honorable person. I don't know. <laughs> or that they can take advantage of him. Oh, uh, yeah. Stop, and it's he'll like, get the additional... Like, cause yeah, he, this is like a double-edged sword for this dude. Like, yeah, no matter, it, it wasn't just these put into hard labor for life but he also had like 40 flogs to him and so like yeah. if he's caught with this thing maybe he's going to get whipped a whole bunch more times yeah and, he and doesn't so why would that. he want to do that on behalf of someone else yeah so but then he gets i mean he does get sent to somewhere else where he's doing um like he's like the blacksmith yeah he basically. becomes a blacksmith and I would rather do that than rape coal or whatever the fuck he was doing before then. Yeah, and they show him, <laughs> like... they show him, like, alone in a room just forming crosses, but I don't know, is that... Is that only him making the cross that was meant for his wife, or does he make crosses? Like, that's his job. I don't know, because they don't really I know, they don't show... show. And the, the the other thing is, like, they're kind of lenient because he's talking to, like, he can get visitors through, like, a window or something. Well, it depends. The vicar can come and visit him. And that's uh, it. From, from the doorway. But that's it. Yeah, like, his wife is not allowed to visit. Yeah. You know? Okay. Like, so that's... it's just, you're allowed visitors and it's only and the so, vicar. And, yeah, <laughs> because it's, like, a man of the cloth and he probably is allowed a little bit more. Okay. He didn't see in special permissions just because of his position. But he's able to give... I mean, the cross that he made... They're able to, like, exchange things without a guard or someone being like, Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, notes and letters. Because he's writing letters to his wife, and then mm -hmm. he's also re receiving letters. I mean, again, this is, you know, late 1800s, and so... Who knows what kind of, uh, you know, we don't know if this is a high security type of right. prison or if it's just a hard labor type of a prison, right? Mm. Like, it, so, you know, the the odds, I think we're kind of looking at it from the lens of we've seen, like, Oz. Yeah, you know, from, and like, we've modern... seen other cop shows and <laughs> prison, prison shows, shows and stuff. And, and, you know, the prison system here is so much different than it is in... in yeah, and this is this part know, of the world. A couple hundred years ago. So yeah, we're kind of looking at it from that lens, but yeah, there there's a lot of interesting breaking points or you know branching points where the the narrative could go, and, and it's interesting to kind of see how that shakes out to a degree. Overall, the the movie, I mean, it it kept my attention, but it wasn't you know. Like, I really, I yeah, it kept my attention, because I was like, what's going to happen next? Like, I kept on just, but I was also getting confused, because years have gone by, and I didn't know how many months or years or days, because it seemed as if it was, like, a matter of, like, three months, but it was really six years. At least. Yeah. Yeah. I think more, but maybe not. I don't I, know. I think he was in prison for six years. 
Yeah, it's tough to say because And it was this whole back and forth between the vicar and him, like, when am I going to get out? And the vicar is just like, well, I need permission from everyone in the town, plus Svenning. It's mainly up to Svenning to write this letter saying to the judge, like, you know, let him out or whatever. Right. Which he doesn't want to do for a while. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's, again, some potential for some interesting religious implications to a lot of this. Um, and, it, and it gives just enough. Like, it, it gives you, like, the hints, the baseline for it. It doesn't get into a preachiness on either side of anything. I think it's just, you know, here's the situation. You know, here are some bullet points for both arguments or whatever it is. And, and make your own judgment. And that kind of holds true for all of the characters that, that deal with things, because you have the wife, Elfrida, who is also dealing with her own moral quandaries, living alone with a baby, and having to deal with yeah, her what side, has to happen She's then. kind of... I don't, I don't want to say ostracized, I guess, because of what her... She's kind of ostracized because of what her husband did... And I mean, it seems like the women but, aren't allowed to work in general, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It, so there's like nothing so that she could do to support the family. Right, so she's like screwed over. Right. And she's seen just like foraging in the woods or whatever, looking for like berries or anything. And there is a point where... Svenning's wife is like, why don't you come over for food? And she's like too proud to come over. She's like, no, I'm gonna find my own food. And then she comes across like certain people, mostly men, groups of men, and they know that she's alone with a baby, so they're gonna take advantage of her, and that's happened to her at least twice. Yeah. Yeah, there's this, there's this other guy in the town as well named Flicked. Yeah. Who is, you know, I guess, I don't know. He's like he's the, like town the antagonist. Yeah, he's like yeah. a, a creep, possibly drunk, who knows. But like he's, he he thinks that there's something going on between him and the wife, even though he's the only one who thinks that. Right. And so that's, you know, so he, he knows that Helga stole the, the ox and killed it or whatever. Yeah, he but knows the that. the vicar doesn't believe it at first because right. there's apparently some history there with the whole wife and the creepiness and the stalking or who knows what it is. Yeah, I don't um, know, I mean, that history because then all of a sudden, yeah, well. They don't go enough into that relationship. But then all, all of a sudden <laughs> the prison camp and we don't Yeah, know like a, halfway life? through in the movie, all of a sudden he's in, yeah, that prison and we were like but why like what happened with like what what (laughs) but in the meantime there's a scene with him visiting this is like frida yeah and and, you know basically saying hey i could be your new man in a sense and being like really pushy about it and like it's concerning but um then nothing really happens and all of a sudden he's in the prison right and but he's the one that tells her Helga got life in prison, and that's where she's like, oh, you know, like, all this information she's getting. Right. And he has a rabbit. He's like, here, I caught a rabbit for you. But she's just like, "What? you may have stolen that from our own traps that we had. Like, right. she's defending herself. 
And then, but then that was the end of that conflict. And then, like, 20 minutes later, he's in the prison. And, um... <laughs> but yeah, there's 20 an, minutes later, like, in the movie. But yeah, 20 minutes later in like the movie. Probably, like, three years later in, in movie right, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 20 minutes later, we see him in the prison. We're like, what? That, yeah, yeah, passage of time is very difficult to, to grasp in this. And then throughout... I mean, I don't know how many months, years later, she comes across these, like, group of workers who are working, like, on a railroad or something. I don't even know. I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like a camp of people. Yeah, it was a, a bunch of workers, because they were really. just stopping for lunch, and then she sees them eating, and one of the guys sees her seeing them, and he's kind of like here you want some bread or whatever and she's eating bread but then he's kind of coming on to her and she runs away and um later on that night he comes to her house he most likely followed her and he's like i have this big plate of food but what are you gonna do for me type of thing yeah except without any words at all yeah, it's kind of, like, it's, implied. Yeah, like, it's just, like, a bunch of looks and, like, you know, basically, like, brings the food, motions towards it, and just gives her a look, and then, like, the scene cuts, and then... Well, it's the scene is her closing the door to her bedroom, because she doesn't want her daughter to see, like... And it's implied we know what's gonna happen. Yeah, and then we know we definitely know. what happens <laughs> yeah. later, because, like, one of the later like, scenes is her having a baby. Yeah. So it's definitely not Helga's. Right. So we, we don't know how many years have passed at that point. I don't. My guess Maybe is like Maybe a year three? or two. Okay. I was I'm, saying like a couple years because that baby was walking. She was probably like two, three. So I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the that's the tough part. Again, it, there's no real good way to... The baby from the beginning is now toddler age, something in like, I don't know. And then at the end it's two like years. nine or ten years old it looks like to me. Yeah, she so. looks older but it, I, I thought it was six years but I mean she could be like eight years old or something, eight or nine and the kid is probably like six. Yeah, five the, or six. The young kid that she had with this guy who's a boy. That's another just what do you I mean there's nothing that can be done because she can't work and she needs to take care of her child and herself mm-hmm. and now two children yeah well now two after he left but we don't see what hap- happens to her but it seems as if she does get work because the vicar tells Helga that he found a something for Elfrida to do yeah, the town is rallying town. around her um, in, in whatever regard. Uh, because she does, you know, get new furnishings. She does seem to be healthy enough and is able to feed these two kids. But we don't really fully know all the circumstances around Right, we don't know. How. And plus, the famine ended in 1869, and he is well out of prison, like, in the 1870s. Yeah, so that could definitely be a so, part of it that, again, is after just After kind of that long drought, because when he does come out of prison and he gets to her house, you can see in her front area, she's got, like, her own little, she's got chickens, and she's got crops growing in the front. So, I mean, she's doing well for herself. Mm-hmm. 
and it's probably because of this, you know, famine that ended. It's just like a slow, she's slowly, you know, harvesting for herself, I guess. Yeah, so he, he gets out of prison. Um, yeah, Svenning... After a few years, yeah, it's a life sentence, but he does get released because of good behavior and also because of that petition that Svenning eventually ends up signing. He He's released after a few years, and so he has to walk back home and from wherever the prison is, and he comes across some random party, or like a dance that's in it's a It's like field. some midsummer thing where they're dancing around a maypole type of deal and uh some random girl like i think he's just like looking at it from afar like, yeah he, to steal some food maybe or you know, or like, he's just fascinated because he's been in a prison for so long yeah and he's like wow life is gone on without me or something he's just like yeah or it's in like, awe of... he's, he's so surprised that yeah people are happy in this yeah. world because he didn't know that beforehand um and some random girl asks him to dance with her and he does and almost kisses her but then it's like no never mind i'm gonna go home to my wife now and that's when he discovers that there's this random boy yeah he's like who's the boy and she tells him what happens and he obviously gets pissed off and he goes into the house and just like ransacks it and like breaks like every furniture ever he's like well did he give you this chair and whatever breaks the bed whatever and then storms off and goes to the vicar and like spinning or whoever you know it's mostly vicar he's he's basically saying well i'm just gonna go to america now like you know i obviously have nothing left for me here and why don't you tell me about the boy and the vicar's like would that have helped you get out of prison sooner would that have helped you yeah, Your he's making of, like trying to get out of prison if you knew about this. He's making valid points, and um, but he did keep this secret as a you know a religious yeah, person. Yeah, it's probably not. You know, I don't so know. He has his own little, you know, little Motive. ethical parts, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, parts. would you tell him, hey, because every time the vicar did visit him in prison he's always asking about his wife and he's just like yeah she's fine she's fine like yeah, he does all he's the like. town's taking care of her. yeah but i think that's just for his well his mental health and well-being because right. i mean if you tell him the truth he's gonna be like even like more mentally like broken down than he already is yeah, so, and if she was, I mean, like, remarried or something, because she's not with that guy. That guy's gone. No, that guy, that, that was, like, gone. a one-night stand, for real. That guy never knew that the baby existed, right? Right. So, you know, if she was with another person, then the situation would probably be different, but because she's still alone and just, she did what she had to do to survive just like he did. Yeah, the and that's what the vicar is saying, and then he comes up with this argument. The whole townspeople, they forgave you for what you did why can't you forgive her for what she did mm-hmm. and then he's like oh and this is like a 10 minute conversation and then he Not does either. come back yeah. and he's like okay i'll be with you and then the way the movie ends is like they lived happily ever after and they had like eight more kids the end yeah <laughs> i was like, just like can't you the... forgive her it's like uh, sure yeah and then like <laughs> freeze-framed like a sepia picture of like this massive family and like yeah they had any more kids goodbye 
Yeah, I was like, what the hell? That was just like a weird... Everything just like rushed in the last five minutes. Yeah. It had moments, but I don't know. I feel like it, 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 there was nothing there that was really super satisfactory to me. No, I, w- I mean, I didn't hate this movie. I was, because I was really like, what's going to, like, is he going to be in prison forever? And then I was like, oh, is he really going to get out? Because I was rooting for him to get out, and he did. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I was just expecting some sort of different uh, path forward, because when he was, you know, first see him working on the cross, he looked like he was, like, like he was... sharpening it, and like, oh, is this going to, like, turn into, like, this really dark descent into madness where he's gonna like use this cross as like a weapon on somebody or oh. you know what I mean um that's just watching but no he was just polishing it and like fine tuning it so he could give it to the wife and the wife was wearing it yeah she he, was you know when, when he wearing it when he saw her so it's and like she snatched off her neck afterwards but still um right yeah it's there are some there are some good jumping off points, but I just don't think anything ever really landed in the way that the movie wanted it to land, probably. That's that's my take on it. Um, in, in terms of, like, the muted colors and everything, what's weird is that it, the color palette got, got even more muted when they were in the prison. Yeah, it was very <laughs> Which dark. was surprising. Uh, because there are, like, a couple, like, flashbacks in there. Um where you see the the brighter whites Mm -hmm. and then i think it gets it's most colorful at the end when he's released again like the the party scene i think is the most vibrant it becomes right and that's probably like you said because the famine part is over and so the the world is thriving yeah he sees i mean he went to jail during famine and he came out after and he's just seeing like how lush everything is yeah and just kind of like in awe of what's going on around him and um yeah but that's that's about all there is i think but yeah, yeah at the end i, I don't know the kids are like the way it ended it was old and maybe five or six years old yeah the way it ended was just very tv movie to me too because yeah. it's just like oh they forgave each other and they had a bunch more kids and that's why I was wondering, like... Yeah, I think that's how... just sort of, like, goes the... There isn't enough context in the right moments. It sets up good ideas and good arguments for different ethical parts, but there's not enough background and context to really give you enough to to answer for the characters that are shown. Uh, so we can go into cast and crew, I believe, where I talked about a couple people. Um, so again, Sven Nykvist, he also does the voice of the shop owner. Uh, okay. at, at one point, there's a shop owner in the, the movie who's basically saying, oh, well, you look okay. You you don't look like you're starving because he's been eating the ox, like, too frequently or whatever. Yeah, that part So he's was... not he's not the body of the shop owner. He's the dubbed-over voice. Oh, yeah, that part where he's like, well, you don't look sick like the rest of us, and... He's like, oh shit, I'm gonna get caught. Yeah. But they Which were again, trying. Which again kind of speaks to like the class thing. He's like, oh, you're not poor enough. Yeah. And that's when 
I mean, that that's before he gets caught. He's like, he's just very, you know, paranoid because he thinks he is going to get caught. And then when he does get caught, he's just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, he's just like resigned. He's like, like, well, he's there's, just... there's no way out now. Yeah. Because he, he gets caught by doing something really nice for a woman. He's trying to walk in these back roads to take the height of the ox to the market to the next town over to get some money. And he comes across this old woman. He asks for water. Uh, chops some wood for her and then reads to her a letter because she's too blind, you know, nearsighted or farsighted or whatever it is. She can't read the letter that, mm -hmm. that came through because she's too old. And the vicar just happens to come by and catches him with the hide. And so he has to confess. Uh, anyway. So again, another like little moral thing. Yeah, another moral thing. Like thing. He, he is doing this very like, nice yeah, he thing is for this generally woman. a nice person who does good but he made this mistake so how much should that count against him mm -hmm. how much do your past actions uh impact the punishment um anyway sven nykvist uh we mentioned his oscar information uh he also won a spirit for spirit award for the unbearable lightness of being cinematography um cesar award winner for black moon He's also done things like Persona, Postman Always Rings Twice, Sleepless in Seattle, and What's Eating Gilbert Grape, all as cinematographer. As a director, he also did a Gorilla Safari and a movie called One and One, which he also wrote. Lars Sumanen, and again, I'm probably mispronouncing all these names, so I apologize, didn't write a whole lot, um, but he did write another movie called The Woman on the Roof. Uh, Ua Froling is Elfrida. The, the wife, she's been in things like Sally and Freedom, Fanny and Alexander, and also The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, not the American version. Um, Erlen Josephson played Sigvard Silver, who we didn't really talk about in here. He's like an older man who's not the vicar, who's like, mm -hmm. a, he has some key moments, but he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was, he's also the director and writer of One in One. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, he, he's, he's the writer of One and One. Um, he's also been in things like Scenes from a Marriage, Face-to-Face -face Control. You're going to see a lot of these people also working with Bergman a lot. Uh, but Erlen's also in the 1991 movie Prospero's Books. Max Vanzito, we've talked about a bunch. Um, we've gone over his uh, credits a lot more in Kiss Before Dying. But just as a reminder, he was also in Europa. And then also in the 1991 movie Until the End of the World. Flicked was played by Bjorn Granith. He's been in things like Pell the Conqueror and also uh, Kingsman the Golden Circle and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo as well. Uh, Svenning was played by Lennart Holstrom. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that one. He's been in things like My Life as a Dog, The Best Intentions, and The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest. So, you know, the, the Swedish sequel to Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. Liv Ullman played Maria Gustafson, one of the bigger names who's kind of underutilized in this movie considering her, you know, uh, again, American prestige up to this point. She's an Oscar nomination for The Emigrants, where she also won a Golden Globe for that role. Oscar nominated for Face to Face as well, and she has a 2022 honorary award from the Academy Awards. Golden Globe nominee for 40 Carats and also seen from A Marriage and The Rose Garden. But again, she's a Bergman favorite, been in things like Persona, Autumn Sonata, Cries and Whispers. Tony nominated for A Doll's House and Anna Christie. And she also 
is a you know uh, you know how the British have dame you know they have yeah sirs and dames and whatever she is a commander with star of the Royal Norwegian Order of Saint Olaf something that is rarely given to civilians um, and then lastly we'll talk about Stellan Skarsgård who is the most famous to American audiences who played the lead role in this Emmy and BAFTA nominated and a Golden Globe winner for Chernobyl. That's about it for, you know, American award shows, oddly enough. But uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff, like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the American version. Dancer in the Dark, Deep Blue Sea, Insomnia, Goodwill Hunting, Mamma Mia, and of course the Thor Marvel movies. So. We already talked about how, in terms of awards, it's basically just the Oscar nomination, and that's about it, which is pretty rare to see in this situation um but i can understand why it did not win out of the two movies that we've seen so far this would be I, yeah i was surprised it was nominated yeah so we have yet to watch mediterraneo to see how that compares but right it'll be interesting i i don't know if it'll be better than raise the red lantern yeah uh we can move on to true crime and pop culture Okay, so this movie was released November 22nd, 1991, which is the same day as Beauty and the Beast and An American Tale, Fible Goes West. Yeah. But it was released in Sweden during that time. Yeah. But And that was a Friday. And um, I haven't done this in a while. And I was looking at... I mean, TV, there's nothing exciting. <laughs> to talk about but I haven't done this in a while I'm going to talk about the billboard I'm going to do the top and bottom five because I don't think I've done it for this week at all cause I, I you mean, might have done it for American Tale I don't know I think I kind of just for like both those movies, it was we had, repetitive like, other... and I just kind of stopped for a long time we also but, had other stuff to talk about like the card sets and the video yeah, games yeah well because those two movies have like so much going on yeah they have its pop, own pop culture, culture yeah that this movie i could <laughs> all i found was like the whole famine stuff yeah there's no ox video game right it, i mean if they made like um a video game it would be like a biblical thing it would be like what would you do it would be like a i could see it being Oregon like a, trail type yeah, thing maybe i could see there there could easily be like an independent game that has that type of you know point-and-click adventure type of a yeah, what would you, yeah, thing. yeah like a what would you get yeah. the yeah a choose your own adventure like they've made like a plague tale you know where set in the same type whatever anyway yeah <laughs> <On you go. laughs> so yeah okay i'm just gonna talk about the top and bottom five songs of the week of november 23rd 1991 because i don't think I did the top before, but a lot of these songs we've talked about, at least for the top ones. Number one is When a Man Loves a Woman by Michael Bolton. And that was, at that point, it was on, it was number one for seven weeks in a row. Mm. And number two is Cream by Prince and the New Power Generation, which, I mean, mm. that was new. I remember that being number one probably in this couple months before this until Michael Bolton came and <laughs> took the number one <laughs> spot. 
Number three is Set Adrift on Memory Bliss by PM Dawn. That only, this has peaked at number three for six weeks. And then number four is It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday by Boys to Men. That peaked at number four for ten weeks. And number five, don't think we talked about this song, but it's Can't Stop This Thing We Started by Brian Adams. No, I don't. Because I mean, we always talk about everything I do, I do for you. And this right. is just like the next single on the album he had. For and that peaked at number two for 11 weeks. And then going down to the bottom 100. Number 100, we. This, this song we talked about before. It's The Devil Came Up to Michigan by the KMC crew. I remember talking about this yeah. song. Uh, and that peaked at number 46, and that was 13 weeks on the charts. And then number 99, I've never heard of this song or person, but I maybe you have. It's Ain't No Future in Your Frontin' by MC Breed and DFC. Do you know... I, I didn't know who it was by, but I, you played the song before we started recording, and yeah, I definitely have heard that before. Okay, and that... So MC Breed, he is from Flint, Michigan, and he created his own uh, like independent record label called SDEG Records, and this is his first record... But his second single from that record, the first single was another song that I played, but it was earlier in the year. It's the song Just Kicking It, and that was with Tupac. That mm. song I remember. That one but, you remember? Yeah. yeah. This one, Ain't No Future in Your Front, and it made, it peaked at number 66 in the Billboard Hot 100, but his other song, Just Kicking It, made it up to number 10 on the hot rap singles huh yeah i feel like i don't know like i think somebody covered the the beat to this because it the beat you know, sounds it sounds like epmd maybe the beat sounds or is familiar from, but i don't or know he took if the beat he, from someone yeah else. i don't know if he was taking it from someone or if someone took it from him we'll have it on the website yeah, well, the the video, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Number ninety eight. This is a new release. The song "Groovin" by UB Forty. I'm not a big UB Forty person. Wow. Okay. I, I'm just. I don't know. They're, they're fine. <laughs> I had like a UB Forty like small period where I was like obsessed with them for like maybe a year, and I think it was because like when I was younger. I would just steal my parents' tapes, and they had UB40, so I would just listen to the UB40 tapes. It was adult music. Yeah, and I was like, like I want to listen to something that's be, not, like, whatever I'm always listening to. I want someone to take me by the and. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the music that I listened to was, like, the 80s UB40. This is more 90s. And this is on the album Labor of Love 2, which has the Take Me by the and song on it. <laughs> Here I come and take me by the and. And this 
song was like the second single of Labor of Love 2. This album came out in November of 1989, so it's like two years later this single is coming out. Hmm. Um, And then number 97 is the song Just Another Girlfriend by High Five. I mean, we talked about High Five before. because They had their number one song, the I Like the Way and um number 96 <laughs> i went down a rabbit hole with this guy um well the song i've never heard of but i dug deep and i was like who is this guy the song is called for you by michael w smith and the song what peaked at number 60 and it was 11 weeks on the chart but Michael W. Smith was a contemporary Christian music artist, which I am floored because I didn't know this. He is known for the song Place in This World, (laughs) which which I played before. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with it. Okay, Okay, Place in This World is a definite... I know Amy Grant hits, but I don't know other contemporary Christian artists. And then... That song, Place in This World, was written, he co-wrote it with Amy Grant. Okay. So, and that song is very well known if you worked at a grocery store from the mid-90s to the early 2000s. I don't think the song is going to be played now at, like... No, on heavy rotation, at least. I don't know, a local jewel or whatever, whatever <laughs> grocery store that people go to but yeah, I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, he's a Christian singer, because I mean, the only song I know is that, but he sounds just like another. I don't want to say Michael Bolton, but it's just like yeah. another adult contemporary artist, and he has won three Grammy Awards and has earned 45 Dove Awards. Dove Awards are for the gospel music. I would have guessed, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, he has won so many awards just for, like, in the Christian community. And that's all I have. All right, so we'll move on to rankings and ratings then. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put the ox? This is controversial. <laughs> Why is it? Con- <laughs> this movie's not popular enough for I know. this to be controversial. It's like because it was nominated. It's like you should give it a good thing rating or something. I don't know. <laughs> there are a lot of bad movies that get nominated uh, for awards. That's true. I mean, I'm gonna give this movie a two. Okay. Okay, I mean, I'm kind of there with you on my zero to four star scale. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a two and a half. So I mean, it, it's above average as a movie. It's it's just not gripping. It's it's I mean, it's it's like it holds your interest, but there, yeah. there's nothing outstanding about any of it. It's no raise the red lantern, honestly. Like, like the acting not... is competent, but there's nothing that's like blows your mind. There's nothing about the situations that they're put in that make you do anything other than wonder, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. But you're not, like, at the edge of your seat interested. Right, yeah. You're just like, is he going to get out of prison or what? Yeah, it's like, and then... it's like, wow, that's a stiff penalty. I wonder how they're going to get out of this if they are. Or is this just going to be, like, one of those, 
oh, life is meaningless, plight of man type of a story. Yeah, like, it's just depressing. Yeah. Or... Yeah, know, how, how mean, deep are they going to lean into the the melancholy here? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll say two and a half. It's, yeah, it's not... It is surprising that it was nominated, I think, but I have to assume it's because of the filmmaker and his past wins is the main reason why he got the nod there. Um, every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? No. No. I mean, I don't, I I'd don't rather, hate it. I'd it's rather just like... dive into the Bergman catalog, which I've largely Right, avoided. sure, yeah. Me too, because I don't think I've seen any of his movies. So... We'll, we'll watch we'll watch Sven's cinematography through another director and see how that goes instead. If you out there want to watch The Ox as of this recording in December 2022, it's available on Tubi, Freevee, Digital Rental, or VHS, but not DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, our, uh, Next week, our international month continues with The Commitments. That's available on Hoopla, digital rental, VHS, or DVD. We will see you then.